Welcome to RoyalOaks.com. I'm Royal Oaks, and the question in the wake of Paris is, how should America deal with the ISIS threat? The first thing is, the fight against terror is war. It's not crime fighting. Okay, this isn't crime busters. It's not Elliot Ness going after Al Capone. It's not a criminal justice fight. It's war. So the rules of war apply, not the rules of criminal procedure. I mean, it was really maddening over the last few years to hear the Obama administration figures, Attorney General Eric Holder and others, saying, yeah, we're, we're going to try these terrorists in federal court uh, there in New York City, going to give them all the, uh, all the normal rights and privileges. Excuse me? These guys are prisoners of war. You want to give them a platform for propaganda in you know, the, the biggest city in the world, in the shadow of the World Trade Center? You want to let them go, maybe, if some CIA guy didn't Mirandize them? I mean, that's, that's why we still have Gitmo prisoners, because these people were, were dangerous. They were captured on the field of battle. So we have rules of surveillance and investigation that reflect the fact that this is war. It's not law enforcement. Somebody made a really important observation uh, amid all the, the horror and the carnage of Paris. And, and it was this. We want to protect civil liberties. But one of the ways you protect civil liberties is by maintaining security. I mean, if your enemies are killing you, your civil liberties aren't going to do you any good. If your enemies defeat you, you won't have any civil liberties. I mean, think about every important issue that people care about. It's always a balancing test. Abortion, okay, you've got the woman's right to choose. But you've also got the right of a viable fetus to survive. The Supreme Court does the balancing, and they come out with the compromise. Right of free speech. We've got the right to talk. We've got the right to express ourselves any way we want. But on the other hand, we can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We can't defame people. We can't lie about somebody's character and get away with it. How about gun control? Second Amendment, finally, after 200 years, we know from the Supreme Court we have a right to own and carry guns. On the other hand, we got reasonable regulations that the states can pass about the time and place you can use a gun. Terrorism is no different. Everybody wants privacy. Everybody wants civil liberties. But we also want security. Next issue, you got to identify the enemy, radical Islam. You can't effectively fight a war without acknowledging who your enemy is. The president has refused to utter the words radical Islam. If anybody says Islam is involved. He says, no, no, no. The terrorists aren't Islamic. Islam is a religion of peace. Oh, yeah. Colonel Hassan, the Fort Hood shooter. It was workplace violence. Thanks, Mr. President. No, it was a terrorist who had been radicalized. He literally had a terrorist organization symbol on his business card. He yelled Allah Akbar as he shot his fellow soldiers. But the president would be admitting that he hadn't won the war on terror if he admitted it was a terror attack. It was the same rationale for calling Benghazi uh, the result of an anti-Muslim video. And we know now that Hillary Clinton has been peddling the same lie. Contrary to what the media reported about her big week with the debate and the testimony before Congress, we know that she told foreign leaders, she told her daughter, it wasn't the movie, it was a terrorist group. And yet she insisted on telling the world it was a movie apologizing over and over for this movie. So what is the effect of rejecting reality, of refusing to acknowledge who the enemy really is? Well, it's an inefficient 
and it's an ineffective investigation. I mean, if the radical Islamists are the guilty parties, you go after them by focusing on the Muslim community generally first and then using that as a springboard, using investigation techniques, ferreting out the 1% of the generally peaceful Muslim community who are violent, or 5%, or whatever it is. That's for the security forces to figure out. I mean, if you don't admit that's where to start, when you start with 360 million Americans and you say, well, I'm going to I'm going to pat down an Eskimo grandmother at the airport about the same amount of time I'd pat down a, a Syrian 26-year-old man. I mean, the PC crowd is going to take you down because you're profiling if you treat the Eskimo grandma any different from the young Syrian man. And yet, it's idiotic. I mean, an amazing fact was, was circulating in the aftermath of, of the terror attacks in Paris that there are no go zones in France where non-Muslims aren't allowed, where Sharia law is enforced. Now, how are you going to gather intel if the cops can't even go into a neighborhood where you've got all this festering anger and antagonism? All right, finally, you have to act. I mean, let's face it, we've encouraged ISIS by our guarantee that we're not going to fight. And now we have to fight. What happens when you tell your enemy, we're not going to fight you, no boots on the ground? I mean, <laughs> it is so maddeningly obvious they are emboldened. We have enemies around the world, people who want to kill us so badly they're willing to strap on a suicide vest to do it. And you say you're not going to fight? What effect would that have on anybody with any common sense? The president has said, no boots on the ground. He withdrew all the troops from Iraq after the surge stabilized the nation. He decided to destabilize it. Obama drew a line in the sand, the red line in Syria. He said, if you use chemical weapons, we're going to act. They did. We didn't. Guess what? Putin then advances on Ukraine. He's not stupid. So we brought this on ourselves but we can turn it around. I mean, the solution is obvious. You assemble an international coalition. And if people aren't motivated to act and get together after Paris, there's something really wrong. The goal is to destroy ISIS. I mean, ISIS has land. They have oil wells. They have manufacturing plants. We are in a war. And if it takes boots on the ground to destroy them, that's what we have to do. I'm not saying we send in 50,000 troops and make some big international production. But just think about who we are and who they are. We're the most powerful military force on the planet by far. We have a nuclear arsenal. We have aircraft carriers. We have millions of troops. We have the most sophisticated military weaponry that exists. And we have an enormous financial and, and intelligence network that can find out who and where the enemy is. It's a matter of will. It's a matter of just unleashing our amazing assets. But if you insist that the enemy is the JV, if you're obsessed with, with not getting involved, with being the anti-Bush, and if you're obsessed with living a lie that you destroyed terrorism when you killed Osama bin Laden, then you're not going to solve the problem. Otherwise, they're going to be here. They're going to be on our shores. They're going to be in our concert halls. And they're going to be firing their automatic weapons through our restaurant windows. So that's my take. I, I know Henry Kissinger, but these three steps, recognize it's a war, not a police matter or workplace violence. Recognize who your enemy is 
and finally take action to destroy them. It's something that seems like an obvious path. But let's be realistic. Until January 20, 2017, it's not going to happen. It's up to Americans to make sure the next president is somebody who's going to protect us. Our next installment of our top 50 songs of all time is in honor of the City of Light. You remember the movie classic, Casablanca? In Rick's cafe, some Nazi officers start singing a German patriotic song. But Victor Laszlo has a different idea. Well, here he is, instructing the band to honor occupied France by playing something else. Well, 70 years later, once again, we honor Paris and all of France with the French national anthem, La Marseillaise. Hello, the